Welcome to Vicious Whispers with Mark Tullius, your source for horror, sci-fi, suspense, and all things violent. Thank you so much for joining me today on Vicious Whispers with Derek the Demon. That's right, got rid of the old guy. Eh, he's over here on the sidelines, but eh, maybe he's having one of those emotional days, right? Who knows what's really wrong with him? Is he sick? Is he depressed? Is he, is he, is he all crybaby? Eh, never know. Anyhow, at least he was cool enough to let me take over the podcast today, giving me some responsibility. It's been a while since I've been around, because, yeah, like I said, he's all, he's all emotional. I try to stay away from that kind of shit. Yeah, I don't need that. Who needs feelings in their life? I mean, anger, anger, that one's good. That one's useful, you know, make people stay the hell away from you. But, but let's talk about other things, because I am angry. I do have some anger today. And some of that is kind of aimed at a, an author I liked. I even made some videos about his books. But we'll get to that later. Stick around for the end of the episode, because I'll have the short story from Untold Man. And because I'm so cool, I'm not going to give you just one. Hell no. You guys are getting two. Also because they're short. But So yeah, I think it's No One's Home and Last Will and Testament. Where uh, this author, he, he tells us all about what he wants his family to do when he dies. So, and it's pretty touching. You guys might like it. I don't like a lot of his stuff, but yeah, this one kind of hits me. Oh, also, also, if you haven't done so already, please like and subscribe. Come on, what's wrong with you guys? You know, this guy's on the press. You know, cheer him up. Subscribe and like and share and all that stuff. No, I'm not going to let him take advantage of his, uh, his, his, his weaknesses. Yeah, that's right mental health weaknesses or vulnerabilities, whatever, whatever you want to call them, or shit, maybe something everyone deals with. Anyhow, I don't, because I'm fucking fine. So, where was I? Oh, books. I'm going to pissed about Duncan Ralston. All right, so, I loved Womb. Womb was awesome. Same with Skin Flicks. Oh, that was nice. And Gross Out. Oh, very, very cool. But, man, I, I just saw the Ghostland, Ghost Hunter edition. What the hell, dude? Derek, why are you talking to me? This is my show. Why are you all pissed about Ghostland? I was just about to tell people. All right, so I love the other books, but there are over a thousand pages in Ghostland. You know how many penises we see? You wanted to see penises? I didn't say that. How about how about vaginas? Even less. Yeah, yeah. I think there's no vaginas in the whole book and maybe like one penis. Man. Dude, you can't get upset about that. There's not extreme horror. There's not none of that's in there. It wasn't on the back of the book. He didn't pitch it like that. Blah blah blah. Anyhow, but that's not even why I'm mad. It's how many pages it is. Look at that thing. Jesus Christ, it's over a thousand pages. It's like this author's trying to flex. Like he's saying, "Oh, look at how many words I know. I know all these words." Ralston, why don't you do like a little side adventure? You know, Ghostland's cool, cool idea. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Ghosts are cool. A lot of death. Love it. But this is way too long. You should do like a little side thing where I don't know, maybe different characters. Maybe they, yeah, they do a little side quest. They run to all this trouble. Maybe they could even make decisions. They choose wrong. Maybe they die. Derek. That's what we're doing. What are you talking about? Try not to die at Ghostland. What? I've been telling you. What do you think I've been talking about? What I've been, we've been working on? Jesus Christ, you don't listen. Oh, 
yeah, well, dude, you're always talking about something, man. I, I don't know. Like cowboys and Indians and shit. Dude, I don't talk about India. I've never said cowboys and Indians. Well, whatever. Western and heavy metal and dark fairy tale. And I don't know. Maybe you said something about ghosts, but whatever. Yeah, dude, he's going to be awesome. I'm trying to die at Ghostland later this year. All right. So, yeah. All right, all right. Cool. So you guys thought of that. Well, awesome. So if you like really, 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 really long books. Yeah. Check it out. Ghostland Hunter Edition has a map, has all kinds of cool photos and stuff. So, yeah, I'm just messing around. It's awesome. Forget what I was saying earlier. I'm not mad at him. So, it's all good. All right, moving on. So, well, yeah, not much else has happened in my life. I sit on a fucking mace. Look at it. That thing, that thing's up my ass all goddamn day, every day, while this dude's going around, sitting in the sauna right next to me, just like rubbing that shit in. Cats are nibbling on me. At least he fixed my goddamn nose. But yeah, other than that, not much. But why am I here today? Oh, no, it's not because he's not feeling good. It's because I'm pissed. He keeps talking about Satan. Uh, he's got a song called Let Satan Sort Him Out on the Death Fest. There's a satanic band in Death Fest. He's like, oh, he's, oh, he's Satan this and Satan that. And uh, well, oh, his new pitch, he just pitched a new book called uh, Doomed to Die with Satan Inside. Wow. Wonder where he got that idea from. Yeah, who knows, right? Surely it wasn't me. But I don't know. I just don't think the dude's qualified. He thinks Satan's a joke. He thinks it's all make-believe. <sighs> if it's all make-believe, if Satan is not real, then how am I even here? It makes no sense. You, you make no sense. But anyhow, he doesn't believe in this stuff, but he's going to write about it. That doesn't seem right. Who's he to write about Satan? I know he's going to be like, Hey, Derek, uh, please uh, help me. Help me. I, I need some answers. Uh, I don't know what Satan's like. I don't know what the hell's like. I don't believe it, but you can tell me about it. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe that's not how he sounds, but he kind of sounds like that. He whines a lot. He puts on a different voice for this thing. Speaking of voices, I bet his is going to be all messed up after this one. He should just get like a voice equalizer or something like that. I don't know. His kids at home, all that kind of stuff, and his wife. But he's like, dude, I'm old. I don't know this shit. I just got to hit record, you know, and then change my voice and make it sound all, you know, whatever. You get the idea. But on a serious note, no, life's good. This dude's doing all right. He's got some great news ahead of him. Yeah, he just came up with six ideas. Wow, he was able to imagine six ideas. He was able to play pretend for a whole weekend and come up with six ideas. And he's so proud of himself. But I'm just saying you're proud of yourself. So, but yeah, some of the ideas were good. Some of them sounded kind of shitty, but... You know, that's just me being a realist. Me being, dude, I wouldn't tell you those things if, if they weren't true. So, anyhow, all right, I think we'll keep this one short. He always keeps it short, right? Never wants to talk to you guys. I want to talk to you guys, but he doesn't let me. He keeps me stuck on that stick, and uh, oh well. But hey, maybe tell him, oh, bring Derek back. He's way better than you. Yeah, tell him that shit. And then I'll come back and I'll do another one of these. Maybe I'll talk longer. Maybe you guys will deserve it by then. But like I said earlier, like, share, subscribe, all that good stuff, please. And let's go out on these two stories from Untold Mayhem. This is No One's Home. And Last Will and Testament. That's off Untold Mayhem. Check that out everywhere. Audiobooks are sold. All right, guys. I'm out of here. Derek the Demon. Peace.
no one's home. No one lived in this apartment over thirty years ago. This is the bedroom I shared with Mother when she wasn't working. It was a different bed then, nowhere near as comfy and nice. This one is soft, the black silk sheets so slippery. Mother's sheets were all different colors, piled in the corner until I'd taken them downstairs to the laundry, my hands getting gross and sticky. No one rarely slept in Mother's bed, because she worked every night she wasn't bleeding. There was a pillow in the closet where I curled up when I tired of her show. The closet door no longer has slats to peek through. The walls are painted a pretty blue. The room smells of roses and happiness instead of semen and sadness. Lots of times I'd silently cry myself to sleep, but not tonight. No one couldn't be happier to be back. No one likes to remember, to see how things have changed. The rest of this city is just as dirty as it's ever been, but this apartment's found new life. A young couple giving it their best shot. Instead of our scratchy brown rug covering the faded floorboards, there's a thick, dark carpet that hides any sign I was here. Seventeen sets of renters have lived here in the last three decades, but none of them knew how much of Mother's blood was soaked up by the wood they walked on. She'd been sitting right there, combing her hair for her next visitor, no warning, before my knife slit her throat. I slide off the bed, and slip on Marty's sandals. At first it felt strange to be stepping into another man's shoes, but after what we've shared, it only seems right. Marty's the good-looking guy cuddled next to Maggie in the photo on the dresser. Maggie and Marty forever, etched into the wooden frame. On the door to Mother's rough-up room, there's a huge poster of Maggie with her winning smile, a big thumbs-up in front of a for-sale sign her phone number blue and bold on the bottom. Her office is tiny but clean, everything organized. Nothing like the whips and chains, masks and gags Mother laid out on her workbench. It cost extra to go in that room. Mother always coming out limping, a new bruise or black eye as part of her bonus. The living room is just as small as I remember. Their oversized couch and widescreen TV filling up the space. No one was rarely allowed in this room, though, because this is where men waited while Mother cleaned up or finished off a friend. The parking spot is only ten feet from the front door, and it's easy to hear the car pull in and shut off, a door open, then close. I ease into the kitchen, careful not to slip on a slick tiles. I press my back to the wall and slide out my knife. Smile when Marty opens the door, calls for Maggie. He closes the door, turns the lock. Maggie, you here? Hey, hon, you in the kitchen? No one stays silent as his footsteps come closer. No one knows what's going to happen, how he'll freeze when he sees what a mess I made out of Maggie, pieces of her scattered across the floor. Sorry, Marty. No one's home. Last Will and Testament Death. It's what I write about. 
It's what I've been thinking about since I can remember. It's what I wished for the first half of my life. Now that I'm 47, death has become even more real, more of a shadow hanging over my head. I stay relatively healthy and grateful for what I have, always reminding myself I'm lucky to be alive and that nothing's promised. Except death. That motherfucker is guaranteed. Even though I understand death's inevitable, I've never made a will. My wife often points out we should do one, and I always agree, but that's as far as we get. But that's going to change because I've changed my perspective. Death doesn't have to be so depressing. It's just part of our cycle. We come into this world tearing skin, bathed in blood, and welcomed with screams. Why not go out just as gloriously? Over the last year, I've seen some cool stories about people making the most out of death. I applaud them. This is the one time in your life where you are truly the center of attention. Soak that shit up. So, for my last will and testament. First off, I want to get the party started ASAP to keep me looking as fresh as possible. Ideally, I'd like to do the screening a day or two after my demise. Let's book a decent venue, something with a stage. Just please, no Chuck E. Cheese. The stage is important because that's where I'll be. Everyone else down below. Instead of a casket, I'd like to be propped up in a chair. I'm not too picky about what pose I'm in, but make it look natural, hands where we can see them. We'll need a friend who will usher people up one by one to say goodbye. If people are feeling generous and would like to help pay for the funeral arrangements, they can stuff bills and personal checks in my pockets or down my shirt. If they're cheap or claim to only have credit cards, be sure to set up payments through PayPal. It'd also be a good idea to hire a photographer to capture these moments. Package deals and a la carte purchase options should be made available. I suggest giving each person up to three poses with me, and they can do whatever they want with my arms and legs. We can also use the best photos for a Give Me Your Money app to defray costs. Some people in the crowd might not be cool with all this, so let's loosen them up with a little music, starting slow with some classical, but transitioning smoothly to something peppy. That's when the DJ can play my pre-recorded message, asking people to head to the dance floor. This is a time to celebrate, not be pouty and sad. As soon as everyone's on their feet, it's time for the marionette show. I don't expect any fancy dance moves, but I want them making me look alive up there, at least weekend at Bernie's quality. The DJ will invite people to dance with me and offer one last goodbye, but a minimum payment will be required. After all, this funeral ain't cheap. That will wrap up this screening, with everyone in high spirits. At this point, it'd be a huge letdown to simply throw me in a fire or toss me in a hole and let maggots munch through my brain. Get me over to the tanners so they can slice off my tattooed back piece and start the curation process, turning it into a cape that will be FedExed to the highest bidder about a week after the funeral. Depending on the cost and time involved, we might as well slice off my other tattoos and see if we can't get something out of them. Maybe a nice headband or two, or sew them together for a belt. From there, I'd like to be stuffed. Maybe have the hole in my back patched up with a slab of fresh skin off someone else. I'm not sure where we'll be technology-wise when I blink out of existence, but I'm guessing we should be able to keep me in relatively good shape for at least a couple days. Last thing I'd want to do is start leaking all over the couch or recliner. 
Ideally, my family would be able to move me, reposition me, dress me as they see fit. Once I start to spoil or the family grows tired of me, we prepare for one last hurrah. Drones. Yep, they're not just used for killing people in foreign countries. I've seen videos of a guy flying his dead cat, a deer, a cow. So why not me? If the whole stuffing process dries me out too much or makes a mark drone impossible, then I'm fine scrapping the taxidermy because turning me into a drone has top priority. Once they've scraped out my innards and replaced them with electronics, fuel, and explosives, everyone will meet us at the beach. It will be about an hour before sunset, time to start the campfire and tell stories over drinks. When the sun begins its descent, my friends and family get a chance to fly me, one to two minutes each, depending on available sunlight. Once everyone has had a turn, my son can don my tattoo cape and headband or belt and take the helm. All the others will grab bows and arrows. If Jake throws a fit about it not being fair, someone please trade with him and let him take some shots. It might even be nice to let him have the first one. For my final flight, let's blast Iron Maiden's Flight of Icarus, the entire event filmed from above and below in order to share on YouTube. Near the end of the song, everyone lights their arrows and I make my final climb toward the sun. Be sure to bring a lot of arrows in case people are drunk and terrible shots. The song will also loop in case this part drags. Eventually, an arrow will hit, I will burst into flames, and a giant explosion will scatter my pieces over the sea. This is my last will and testament, although I give my family permission to do whatever they see fit. My only rule is that no one take it too seriously. My run will be exactly as long as it needs to be, and I want everyone to know that I'm grateful for every minute of it.